All right, the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. Please, we are supposed to rise back to our feet for just about a minute. They will take um, a declaration based upon what um, we believe the Lord has done for us as we prayed. Now, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Please, can you turn to somebody on your left and your right and tell the person, understanding will come to you again today in Jesus' name. Tell the person, wisdom will come to you in the name of Jesus. Say, the will of God will fill your heart and you will walk in a manner pleasing to him. Now, tell the person, congratulations. A door is about to open for you. In Jesus' name. All right, please, can you take your seats? The Lord is good. Let's kick into our message, Lifted by the Lord. Okay, let's go back to the book of Luke chapter 16. I want to pick it up from there today. The book of Luke chapter 16. I want to read that just to um, remind us of what we said last time, because I feel so strongly that that is what we need to look at again today. And pick it up from there. The book of Luke chapter 16. Now, I'm just going to get down to where uh, the few verses I want to pick from here. It said, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which belongs to somebody else, who will give you that which is your own? He said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or you cannot serve God and mammon. Either wealth or mammon, the same thing. Now, this is very important. Let's go back again to the book of Luke chapter 19. Let's just go to that, that Luke chapter 19, which we have read so many times. But again, let's just continue reading. It's beautiful to read God's word. Because we've read many times, I will just go to the relevant verses. Verse 12. He said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas that is one for each person, and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. I'm going to just read the relevant verses. Verse 15. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves, to whom he had given the money, be called to him, so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. 
because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came saying, Your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, And you are to be over five cities. One more verse, uh, portion of the scriptures and then we'll start teaching. The book of Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul said, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have members, we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Now, please, before I read this verse, finish reading it. I want you to know I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. And the rendering here is so beautiful. I've not found any Bible that gives me a better um, interpretation. Verse 6, or translation. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. That is, each person is to prophesy who has the gift of prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. If service, you are to render service, exercise your gift in serving according to the proportion of your faith. Or he who teaches should do the same thing in teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and then he said, practicing hospitality. Now, these three portions of the scriptures we have been looking at, or I mean, I've added this one to it. We'll continue to look at this to explain the fact that the Lord is the one that lifts people up. Now, one thing I said last time, I want to go over that again briefly, just for a few minutes, so I can connect with that particular point. Now, in life, you have to make up your mind how you want to live your life. I want to say that again. Everybody will choose the sphere of life they want to live in. Let me say one more time. Everybody must determine and choose the sphere of life they want to live in. And once they have chosen, once they have determined it, they are to follow it faithfully. God prefers the person who decides, I'm going to live a normal, natural life, and he follows it fully. To the person who says, I want to live a spiritual life, then he lives half spiritual and half natural. He calls such a person lukewarm, and God does not like it. You know, he said, I wish you were hot or you were cold. Choose one. Please, I want to remind us of it again. We must make up our minds. Do I want to live my life naturally? Please, if you decide to live your life naturally, pursue it with aggression. If you decide to live your life supernaturally, be totally devoted to it and tell yourself from the beginning, if I perish, I perish. Because if you choose halfway, you will lose out, you will lose out both ways. And you will not please God. What do I mean? 
If you want to follow human order for promotion, start it early. Pursue it. Know how to lie. Did I use, I'm sorry I said that. That was how Jesus was mis- misinterpreted also in Luke chapter 16. Know how to scheme. Okay, let me know use the word lie. Know how to scheme. Learn eye service. Learn it. Know how to do favors for what it will bring for you later. Learn it. Don't be stupid. Join a political party for the favor you get out of it. Sell your house in the village. I mean, not your own. You don't have. Your father's own. Give it to a gubernatorial candidate and pray he will win. Invest in the campaign. Hire two thugs. They won't shoot anybody. Don't worry. What I'm trying to say is this. Please follow it properly. If you want to go blind, like they say in Western Nigeria, be totally blind. If you want to see clearly, then shine your eyes. That this half vision is not good. You start being witness, testimony to things that you did not see properly. I hope you're getting my point here. This was exactly what Jesus was saying in Luke chapter 16. Now, I have not said God will not send you to hellfire. I didn't say so. I just said, make up your mind. I did not say what you are going to do will not backfire against you later. I'm just saying, make up your mind. Decide how you want to live. Do you want to live by putting in effort into the human systems? Do you want to live by putting your effort into human schemings? There are different ways we use the human systems. I've just given one extreme so that, so that you know that just make up your mind. Sometimes you don't have to lie. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to invest your father's inheritance in the gubernatorial candidate, uh, candidature of a man. I know a man who did it and his business went down. One of my brothers used to work for a man who had a massive, you know, let me not tell you the, the kind of company. And they were doing very well. Then one day he decided they want to go into politics. He bought, I think, 200 cars and dashed to a political party. Do you hear what I said? He took money from his company and bought like 200 cars, brand new, and gave to a political party. He was trying to buy the governorship seat. Except that after he spent all of that money, people who had power more than him collected it. Gubernatorial seat, he did not get. Primaries, he lost in primaries. I'm not talking about winning the ultimate election. And his company folded. There's a way human beings do it. Some don't go that way. They put in labor into the Esau principle. You know what they call the Esau principle? There's the Esau principle in which you know how to wake up in the morning. You read the best books. You know how to do the best connections. Multiple streams of income. You've read everything. Right now you have six streams of income. You intend to increase it to ten. You're not lying. You're not cheating. You invest in everything legal. MMM, you were, you were a guider. Is it guider or guidance? Whatever it is. You're always into one thing or the other. Christmas time, you are selling rice and chicken. Salad time, you've imported ram from Mali and whatever. You are not a bad person. You are a hardworking person. You don't need anybody's favor. You know how to get it with your own strength. You can buy anything. You know everybody. Once you bring out your phone, <laughs> you know businessmen, you know lawyers, you know police, you know soldier. Now, he's not a criminal. He just that uh, he knows how to pursue everything. Do you follow my point? 
And he knows how to gather his degrees. He knows how to apply for the jobs. He knows all of this and he's pursuing it aggressively. That's a way of working. It's a way of Esau. There's a level of godlessness attached to it. What the Bible calls godless in that situation is a man who is not looking out for any special favor from anybody. When Jacob even returned and offered him goods, he did not take. He had. So Esau has always been like that. So when they told him there's a best right that gives you a special benefit, he didn't see why he needed it. I remember a woman I saw on TV once, many years ago. He said that, I don't pray for money. If I need money, I go and work. If you don't know enough, it sounds nice. If you know enough, you know that's a very silly statement. That means work is always waiting for you. And you don't need more money than you can work for. The day will come, you will have a need that even if they gave you the opportunity to work for 200 years, you won't be able to pay. And all of us understand this since they happen. People fall sick sometimes. When you hear the cost of the drugs they are going to be given, you will be afraid. They will give them treatment. This is the cost of treatment. You've seen it every time. We are raising 15 million to go to India. So anybody telling you that um, if I need money, I'll work has not seen trouble. But the point I'm making is this. That's the Israel level. Putting the aggression into it. Make up your mind. Please, that's my emphasis. Make up your mind. What is wrong is what many of us Christians do. We claim to be believers. But we are not aggressive in pursuit of our own things. Please, I feel like sitting on this again because I started last time. What the Lord Jesus was telling us in that Luke chapter 16 is what the problem is. Faithful Christians are hard to find. Faithful Christians are very hard to find. That is, they, they claim they don't want to go the way of the flesh. They claim they want to go the way of faith. They claim that they want the way of grace. That what will happen in my life will be what grace produces. Why? Because they are Christians and they should think like that. So they go to church. They learn these things. There's only one problem. They are not aggressive in pursuing that. And like we ended up with last time when I was ending, that's the major problem, lack of faith. They are not aggressive. Getting an extra degree, is it bad? No. If you need information, if you need the knowledge, please go and get it. I'm not saying that going abroad to get an extra degree is a problem. Because I have a problem with Christians who think that is a passport to increase. I have a problem with Christians who think that's how they can get promoted. And this is how you know where your faith is. Check where you are spending your effort. Let's not get theoretical, you know, and impractical about these things. Where is your faith? You can clip, put your faith in different places. Jesus asked Peter, where is your faith? Look at the disciples. Where is your faith? That is, people can keep their faith in different places. We all walk by faith. Many of us have a lot of a faith in economies and governments and countries. So people will sell all they have and give to travel. It's a sign of faith. So check where your faith is. You want to know where your faith is? Check where you are putting your effort. Check where you are putting effort. If you have not been promoted, you ask yourself, how, why is it that I have not been promoted in life in different areas? Then what do you do about it? That is where Christians fast and pray. They don't fast to overcome the devil. The devil is too small to lose meal over, lose a meal over. That's when Christians fast and pray. That is when you want to know where somebody's 
um, um, faith is. See what you are doing. Jesus said this is what the problem is. The people of this world, they take their own things and pursue with aggression. That's what I was saying earlier. They pursue with aggression. He said, but I don't find that with the people of light. They claim that God is the one that's lifting me up. And they don't put energy into making sure they pass his exam every time. Into making sure that any time he comes up with his examination, they will pass. They don't do that. Because I have, I mean, a background in academics. I still teach in the university. I I have colleagues who have to travel here and there. I know what people do. For example, now if you are a doctor and you are going to the United States, there are two basic exams you will pass if you want to practice clinical medicine there. There are three actually, but first two, you, tr- you can write any time. If you want to practice clinical medicine, then you pass their exams. Uh, USMLE step one, step two. People don't sleep. In fact, my friends with counsel, I'm talking about my friends. He said, if you are going to the US, what you need as a doctor is for somebody to help you so you can sit down and study. He said, before, because if you get there, having not passed those exams, without having passed the exams, you have to read for the exams. And if you have to work to take care of yourself, it's going to be a problem. So you see people make the effort. Students, um, jump is coming up next, uh, maybe next in two months time as an example. Today you see people reading. Why? We have to pass this exam. And I'm saying to you that Jesus expects us to do the same thing if we really claim to be walking by faith. Are you getting my point? Let's use our common example. We prepare for wedding. We prepare for wedding a lot. But Christians don't often prepare enough for marriage. They pick a bit of knowledge here and there. And they want to use that one to go into this institution. The ceremony, thank God this is Africa. Our ceremonies can be long. But maximum is three days. It's just three days. Most of the time it's just two days. We have what we call the traditional. Then we have the church wedding. Okay? What do we do? I mean, for those two days, sometimes, depending on how long we had, we could prepare for six months. We could prepare for a year. We could prepare for three months, depending. But you see the effort. We pick the gown. We pick the colors. Brighter color. Fuchsia top with lilac bottom. Like somebody said, there's MTN yellow. <laughs> you know, all kinds of colors. I will write it there. People are supposed to wear this. For a ceremony. Is it bad? No. No. There's what the Bible calls weightier matters of the law. It's one of those things that are not weighty. We are not saying it is bad, just not weighty. But the same people, see, if you told them, okay, that you need to take three weeks aside, there is a particular seminar that this church organizes twice a year. You understand? Each time it is three weeks, they will teach you the dynamics of marriage as planned by the Lord Jesus Christ, as revealed in the word of God. Do you know most people will not think it a necessary expenditure? Because expense is not just money, it's also time. Anything you have not actively learned, your knowledge is guesswork. Did you hear what I said? If you have not deliberately learned something, you're guessing. Sometimes you're lucky, in quote, you know some things. Sometimes you're lucky. You have picked some truths along the line. But in life, for goodness sake, if somebody wants to counsel you on health, if you're really serious about what is disturbing you, you want to be sure the fellow is trained. Are you getting my point here? 
You don't want the general knowledge we all pick by the side. You want to big, build, build a big building. They say, okay, uh, how would the pillars be? You look at the fellow, are you a structural engineer? What experience do you have? Why? You know that the knowledge must be deliberate. Somebody must go aggressively to learn how to do these things. So how do we expect, therefore, that we will succeed in what we have not deliberately learned? And these are the reasons why people take the first few years, take it something like marriage, and they will have trouble for the first three, four years, five years. Why? Because they are learning on the job. They're learning on the job. Try and error. Stumbling here and there. Picking the arm. We all, we, we all do that. And Jesus is saying, if you don't find results in your life, it is because you have not been aggressive in pursuing the things of light. Let me say something about light. Light and good things, they tend to be, I don't know why it's like that, but that's how God did it. It's passive. When I say passive, it's like light will not force itself on you. It's darkness that does that. Are you getting my point? To be clean, you have to bathe every day. To be dirty, do nothing. Do you understand my point? For your life to spoil, you know how you spoil your life? Just do nothing. To spoil your life, you don't have to be aggressive. Just stand on one spot and your life is spoiling away. Build a very nice house. Lock the door. It's decaying instantly. It just has decayed. You have not done anything, no. Nothing. So, I want this house well preserved. So nobody should go near. You lock the door. The roof will leak. The Bible says, through idleness of hand, a building decays. You don't do anything. What am I saying? If you are not aggressive, actively pursuing the way of light, you are walking in darkness. Darkness walks on people. And this just, just drag you, walk in darkness. Darkness will walk on you. That's just what darkness does. The only way you don't walk in darkness is that you deliberately, aggressively walk in light. What was Jesus saying in that Luke chapter 16? He said, this is the problem. Those who claim that they believe that I lift people up, they don't walk in a manner that shows they really believe it. They will get the extra degree. They will do everything. Please, the boss, do everything they have to do. But they have never settled down to see when the Lord comes, what will be, what is the curriculum? What will it test us on? You know what that means? They really don't believe that is a lifter. And that's why it doesn't lift people as often as we'll expect. I've thought about it. If your heart is in politics, politics is normal politics, and you're a believer. I can assure you of one thing. I've never read any book that teaches the right way. What most people know, just basic Christian integrity. They don't know the real thing. What I mean is this. They just know don't lie, don't cheat, don't shoot somebody, don't hire thugs. Are you getting my point? Don't rig elections. But how do you make it in political office? You know, very few, I've never read any book on it. I have hardly heard it discussed. Only once I heard a minister say something and it struck me. He said the only type we have in the scriptures for advancement in politics is Joseph and Daniel. Then I can add somebody like David to it, actually. And he tried to explain something. You see it. That none of those people desired office. None. One thing that's common to all of them, I want to just drop that. All of them were aggressive. When it comes to service, they were aggressive. You know what I believe? 
You can have your political desire, but God never, it does not want you ever. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't believe. Maybe if you have information, come and give it to me. God does not want anybody to come and ask him, make me the governor. He said, don't give me that prayer point. I don't like it. Make me a senator. I don't want to hear from your mouth. Make me the president. It's not the Christian prayer point. Say what? The Bible makes it clear to us there's no Christian prayer point. Now look, I didn't know some of these things before. He said, why is not a Christian prayer point? First, he's the one that decides. Two people came to him. We want to sit in your, on your left and your right. He said, don't discuss those things. The father has decided who will sit there. Jesus just said, no. Those, those uh, positions, they are not prayer points. Who will sit? God decides. I don't know whether you are getting my point. The only place where I see a bit of somebody can decide desire, not even prayer point, just a desire. And in fact, that's not even, it doesn't even fit also because you see, what they said is if anybody desires, what Paul was saying is that if anybody volunteers to do the job, that, are you getting my point? In church, being a deacon then <laughs> was not an elevated position, it was a servant position. Because if anybody desires the office, he desires a good thing. And please don't forget, the office is not our modern day bishop. If you have a King James, if anybody desires the office of a bishop, are you getting my point? So we think that if you, are, if you want to be promoted to be area pastor, that was not what Paul said. In a church those days, in a big church, they will have seven bishops, 20 bishops, 30 bishops, depending on the size. In a, a church like the one from what we read that Timothy was pastoring, okay, was the apostle in charge. They probably have many because there were thousands. And each bishop was an overseer. So if you come and say, I can handle the youth, that's what they call a bishop. You're not the person everybody reports to. Let me, see, sometimes we're reading our Bible, we don't know the context. The modern day bishop who is the head of 20 pastors is modern day. In Paul's time, what we call a pastor now is the head of 20 bishops. I don't know whether I get my point. Yeah, he was the head. But the proper word they used actually was more like, they didn't really use a word, but if you look at the way the Gentile churches were arranged, there were people appointed by the apostle that started the church. So Paul was sent Titus to represent him. It was a Paul's representative to appoint deacons and elders and then leave. So their leadership was different from what we have now. Their leadership was a bit more complicated, you know. They had a plurality of leadership. Apart from when you have the apostle who started the church trying to put some things in order. But now, that's just by the side. So, then, when he said anybody desires the office of a bishop, he's talking about, look, you volunteer to serve. That's what he was talking about. But to be a ruler, you read through the scriptures, Jesus told them, look, listen, leave that thing. He said, do you want to be a ruler? Yes, go and learn how to be a servant. Whosoever will be the greatest amongst you, let him be the servant of all. Now I know. One day I'll be president, it's not a, it's not a necessary desire. If you had it in your mind before you listen to me today, after they did, throw it away. Seriously. He can arrange, he will arrange, if necessary, if that's his plan. He doesn't make presidents by choice, by human choice. He doesn't make governors by human choice. No. He decides, based on certain criteria, who is choosing each particular point in time. He's one that, that decides. He'll just be opening the doors. Listen to this. He'll be opening the doors. When the time comes, that's what he'll be doing. He'll be opening the doors. You will find yourself being carried by 
what my pastor used to call those rivers of, rivers of Zion. You just find yourself being carried. You find yourself being carried, being led into places you did not plan for. Things you did not plan to do. You are being led to them. Places that you did not personally desire. Events will carry you into those places. Our Bible examples are genuine examples. Daniel, you know how he got to where he got to. Of course, Joseph, we know how he got to where he got to. And David. David was anointed king when he did not know the position was open. Before that point, he did not have kings in Israel until just recently. And the last king was fresh, young. They don't think that guy will leave that office for a very long time. What am I saying? This is what our faith says as believers. He lifts, he's the one that lifts us up. And I'm challenging everybody today to therefore be aggressive in passing his examinations. We should be aggressive in committing ourselves to him. Every Christian should put this in your mind. We should all put this in our minds. If I perish, I perish. Start life with it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Start life with it. The terminology is give your life to Christ, not invest in Jesus. There's a reason why I'm I'm just so strong about this. The terminology is what? Give your life to Christ, not invest in Jesus. Jesus says something clearly. If you want to find your life, it's because you lost it. If you want to, that is, those who are coming to invest in Jesus get nothing. Those who find their lives are those who decide to lose their lives. I'm losing my life for Jesus. Even if I become nothing in life, I don't care. As long as I'm pleasing to him on a daily basis. You are getting the point. Listen, every believer must get to that point. Listen, I believe anything we set in front of us, apart from Jesus, apart from pleasing him, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anything we set in front of us, no matter how good it appears, apart from this, we will always walk eventually into error. We will always eventually walk into error. I have observed this for a very long time. Once I was talking about one minister. If I mention the name, everybody here will know the name. Not a Nigerian. So uh, how I enjoyed his messages and all of that. And at that time, I tried to get some. And I noticed that they did not connect well with me. They didn't connect well. I, I listened and listened. After some time, I got tired. So I was talking to one of our brothers. I just said, I wanted to get this man's message about it. And I said, ah, well, sir, I hope you know that he's not really known any longer for preaching the word like that. He's more of a, you know, I don't, which one do I use now? Motivation, business, you know, social, you know, do, do you know those kind of things. So I said, eh, I said, sir, that's the situation right now. And I realized that, yes, I actually got his messages sometime before that time. And I was not, I noticed that it didn't connect well with me. Now, I've seen that thing again and again. And I found out. And listen, I, I think, I heard, you heard me say this one before. I, at, the, at the point in time, you know, I, I only was scared. But I had some concern. I had some concern because I just wondered, ah, must people get to that place and then deviate? Why can't Solomon save God to the end? Why is it after God has established Solomon? He will follow these young, young girls to be worshipping idols because he married them from Egypt, married them from uh, Syria, married them from uh, all these strange places. You know, it made me feel bad. Why did Asa serve God for only 35 years? 
In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, challenge came upon him. He went the way of the flesh. Ah, it made me feel bad. I said, it still happened to ministers still today. One of the people that give me so much hope, a number of them, but one of them, and I listen to his messages, I have hope, is Kenneth Hagen. And I noticed something. I listened to messages he preached 1970, 75 thereabout. Then I listened to the ones he preached, you know, the 90s. And you see the same thing. In fact, I respected him for something that I do, I'm not sure I can do. But now I'll do it anyway in Jesus' name. I can do it. The man will preach the same message almost word for word. If you think you have heard it before, guess what? It's your problem. <laughs> he will tell the same story. I remember that time, you know, then it was in number 16, McKinney Street, you know, you know uh, something Street, McKinney, Texas. He will tell the story. I feel like telling him, sir, I can't tell the story. There's no need. <laughs> but that's your problem, not his own problem. I have, I have a lot of his messages. You listen to Las Vegas Summer Conference. Listen to New York Summer Conference. Listen to Houston Summer Conference. Almost word for word. The same stories. The same illustrations. The same scriptures. And sometimes I want to look and say, Oh God. <laughs> we have heard this. Look. You want to preach it for him. Once he wants to start a story, you want to help him finish the story. You want to even correct and say, no, sir, that's not what happened. This one happened before. Because you've heard it so many times. But guess what? Using that principle, he stayed on, in the ministry for over 60 years. Using that principle, eh? Till today. They are Kenneth Hagin Ministries alumni. Rima, you know, alumni. They are all over the world. They have a Nigerian association. They have campus in Nigeria now. Where you can go and, you know, go and learn. Using that principle. That gave me encouragement. I won't lie to you. It gave me encouragement. So when I hear myself preaching some things I preached 15 years ago, when I notice myself preaching longer than I used to preach, aha, I, I'm feeling happier. Yeah, it really, it, it gives me encouragement. Because I used to get concerned. Why do people get to a particular point and need to deviate? Listen to me. One major problem is that we say something else in front of us apart from the Lord Jesus. Many times, what we have in front of us is his blessing. For example, I must build a temple. A man like David says that in front of him. This is how it, it works. If you said that in front of you, a man like David says in front of him, I must build a temple, he will sin. If Jeroboam says in front of him, this, this blessing shall be permanent. What the Lord has done for me, it shall be Permanent. If he sets that in front of him, he will build idols. Let me tell you, if God puts you on the throne, sit at the edge. If they say, get up, jump up quickly. Don't be afraid to lose it. I see churches doing programs to retain members. That's how they will go away. Because it is God that will scatter them. Why can't you announce that there's another church now down the road, they are bringing a minister to town Somebody I love very much, please, I want you guys to go there. They will still come back. And if they don't come back, remember, a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. Ha! Once I was invited for a program in Indonesia, big denomination, massive, I mean, one of our orthodox ones. I found out that the other rival orthodox church has a program the same time. 
So my host said, ah, they started their own two years ago. Because our own, they move. The whole of town will come there. When I was teaching in this particular one, I was supposed to take one of the seminars. They had 12 classes, and I was one of the teachers. So they just asked that, please, teach the same thing for, I think, two or three days. I'm not sure. I think two days. The reason is that they want people to be able to attend a few classes. And my class, I'm not, when I say class, it's not, not 10 people, not 20 people. Though. I enter my class, it will be like 200. So they, I have a topic that, please, what you taught today, when you're back tomorrow, just teach it word for word. The idea is that we want people to be able to select like two, three classes for these few days. I said, when I saw what they were doing, I said, why will another denomination, you understand? Why won't they relax and let their people go? And the people have been coming for a few years. The next day, they say, nah. The same week. And we are complaining about Boko Haram. <laughs> that was what started Boko Haram, I hope you know. Yes, exactly. That's what started it. Is that it started? It's a spiritual thing. Once we are divided like that, spirits will go into the air, gather evil people. They start shooting. You won't know why. You will never hold yourself responsible. Wait till we get to heaven. Day of judgment. <laughs> Just wear three levels of nickel. Because <laughs> when the flogging starts, you are not in body house. <laughs> in my, <laughs> my form one that was in body house, what they call GSS one, I used to call it form one those days. I had a friend, oh, we are going to class, oh, we have English. Where were the houseware, the churchware, and then the classware on top of that? <laughs> because if Mr. Dalumog babs you, that's our teacher, English teacher, <laughs> that day flogged my friend, I heard boom. He said, Baba, kilo go That is, oh boy, what do you pack for here? <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> what am I saying so? When we get to heaven, I hope all of us are well padded. Because when you start the flogging, you'll be surprised. For Boko Haram, the people are calling pastor. Pastor Murphy, come on. <laughs> Okay, I'm going just climb behind. As the bank, you stay behind. Oh, yeah. So, God, what do you consider concern Boko Haram? You'll be surprised. There's a way you were dividing the church in Onitsha and in Lagos and in Portaco. That was where Boko Haram started in Midugri. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, let me get back to my message. So, this is what I'm going to say. What we believers need listen to this, is to aggressively pursue what we know the Lord is judging. When he returns, he lifts people up to where he decides they deserve to be. You know I started by saying, make up your mind what you want. There is a worldly way they can chart a career path for you. I don't know what you will get out of it. I just know it will not endure to eternity. That I'm setting off. Whatever you build, where you use your own energy to build yourself up to, where the world helped you get to, whatever you build there is called chaff. It will burn one day. So that even if you are saved, Paul said it will be as if through fire. 
I hope you're getting my point. So your soul is saved, but you reach the judgment throne of Jesus naked. Nothing. Nothing to show. Nothing. Why? Because you spent all your life walking along the human path, the worldly path. Your own strength built everything for you. You were like Esau. That was the problem. You followed aggressively. You got things in life. Listen to me. Like I said, I don't know what you're going to get. You probably will get a lot of things. Many people celebrating now. Many people celebrating the results of their choices. We regret those choices when Jesus comes. Because right now, they made the right moves. And they built a house. They built a second one. They built a third one. They got a chief TC title. They became recognized in the society. So they start teaching other people. This is how to make the moves. No matter what your human moves get for you, it will not cross the day of your death. Jesus will not accept any one of it. God does not accept sacrifices he did not dash you to offer to him. I don't know whether you hear what I said there. When he wanted Isaac, he first gave Abraham Isaac. When he wanted a ram to replace Isaac, he supplied the ram. The principle of God is the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. That is the principle of God. He will provide for himself a sacrifice. You know what Jesus said? A body you have prepared for me. When God wanted him to offer a body, he prepared it and gave to him. Say, now go down with this. That's how the Lord moves. That's why I will say that, listen, what we need as people is to fix our eyes on Jesus alone. He gives, us, he gives you a throne. Don't worry about the throne. Look at it like Paul said. Just know this, is, this thing will perish with use. Just leave it like that. Every morning, walking, pleasing to him should be the primary thing that concerns you. Listen, I feel like resurrecting that expression again. Die to self. It was a very popular expression those days, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in, 30 years ago in Christianity. Dying to self. People need to do it again. What does it mean to die to self? If I perish, I perish. But we must be fully committed to following this Jesus. So that whatever we attain in life becomes purely, like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's it. I am what I am by the grace of God. That is not my plan. It's what he prepared. It's not my plan. One major problem, you know, with Christianity. Yeah, it's with life. It's with life. And that is an issue with Christianity, therefore. That is where it is strongest inside Christianity. Is that of trust. You know, God just wants people to trust him. Listen to this. He told Abraham, follow me. There's a land I'm going to show you. You know what that means? Abraham would first leave, not knowing where he's going. It's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. It's difficult. There's a land I will show you. Where is it? Don't worry. Just follow me. And that's what I want to to remind us again. Because God, we said Jesus will return. There are two kinds of return that he has. There is the ultimate return, final return. This earth passes away. The current heavens, the way we know it is going away. There will be a new heaven. 
there will be a new earth. Those, listen, by the way, those things are real. People talk sometimes as if life is just what we can see. If you know enough of life, you know it cannot be. Let me know, if I start, I'll get, I'll get sidetracked. Let me not, you know, get sidetracked into that. So Jesus is going to come again. This earth, the way you know it, will pass away. Your Bentleys will go with it. You know what I'm saying? Do you hear me? Your skyscraper will go with it. When it is melting, you'll be surprised. That, you mean that thing was wax? The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. When Jesus approaches rock, no mountain of rock will melt. How much more do you want to use cement than good cement to build? That's one coming. But there's another kind of coming in which it comes on a daily basis. Once in a while. That's the one we're, that's the one we're discussing. In which he returns to establish you in a new level. In which he returns and says, like he said in that Luke chapter 19, a king went, received the kingdom for himself, then he returned. Meanwhile, he gave minas to his servants. Why did he give them minas? So that he would know those he will make rulers. And how many cities they will rule over. So he said, be busy until I come back. Let's bear that in mind. One of the things I want to teach people again is how to be busy. Remember I said that trust is where the problem is. This word, now, please bear what I've said in mind. I'll get back to it in a moment. Trust is where the problem is. For us to just to be able to relax and trust that, one, he will come. Two, he will establish us where he determines. And that place, one, will be good, but more importantly, the fruit of it will endure to eternity. To be able to believe that is rare. It's hard to find. What is more likely? What is more natural? What our body does better is for God to come to you after you left all with your father. Your name is Abraham. He now says, follow me. You now say, where are we going? So he said, let me see the map. How long will it take to get there? How many rivers are we going to cross? How many mountains? Are there enemies on the way? Give me a detailed description of where I'm going. Why? I want to know whether it is better than where I am right now. Because why do you, a, a, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. But God says, take the bird in hand, throw it away, and follow me. Is there a bird in your bush? Am I even telling you there's bush there? Side attraction for a moment again. Friend of mine, two different, well, two ladies I want to talk about. They did not know each other, but they used the same illustration different ways. When Pastor Corey wanted to marry our sister that he married, the father had no problem with him because he knew him from time. He was just surprised why she agreed to marry a pastor. In fact, you know, last time I was in Sokoto, we were looking at the pictures they took those early days. And I was looking like, nah, this guy gave it to. Ain't mind this guy. If you see, hunger was prominent. <laughs> see his shirt looking oversized. And, they, you know, they were just, they just they were, was, it, was it earlier on this year or last year that I went to Sokoto, you know? Just saw, I saw the poor pictures. He lined the whole room just to see how things used to be. I look, I said, now, nah, wow. In my mind, now, nah, wow. God is really alive. If this girl agreed to marry you, she must have heard God. <laughs> no, no, there are marriage decisions a, a woman would take. You know, God spoke to her. When I saw the pictures, 
Actually, one picture, I looked. I said, who is this one? He said, it's me. I said, no, 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 it can't be you, but man of God. This is not you now. I looked closer. I looked at one phantom, one spirit. Is that you? <laughs> so the father asked the young woman. Because another man, you know, was showing some interest, and that one was well established in the things of this world. So what is the issue? Why? Listen, if your faith does not constrain you to do some crazy things in the eyes of the world, you don't have faith. Now, I'm not saying you do crazy things in your own eyes. If what you are doing is crazy in your eyes, it's not faith. It's madness. Are you getting my point? What you are doing to you is reasonable, but to other people it doesn't make sense. That's what I mean by faith. But the answer she gave is what I'm talking about. She told her father, she said, I believe it was by inspiration. That, well, is one person who can, if he says to me, close your eyes, give me your hands. I want to take you somewhere. I will close my eyes and I will feel confident. You just like in a church in a difficult part of the country? I, 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 that will be rough. I'm not, it's, not, it's not news. I mean, don't, don't, you don't need to tell me. But he says, let's go. I have the confidence in his leadership. And when I was with the women on Tuesday, that women's meeting, that's one of the things I told, a word for the singles. I said, listen, if any man you can't follow like that, please, remain single. <laughs> Leave him like that. Just remain single. The second lady, I, was, I, I, I said, there are two ladies I'm talking about. A guy I wanted to marry her. She was my friend. We used to talk about this since a lot. So how far, what's happening? There's this guy she loved. She loved him. I never met any of these guys because she had left where she was staying, when the same building before she had left and moved on. And she was in another institution working. So I just used to stop by once in a while on my way from church. So she used to just me about, uh, you know, guys who want to marry her and all of that. So I used to get here. So I never met anyone. It was only one I met one day. You know, he just came while I was there. All right? But I didn't see him for more than a few minutes. Dropped something and left. But the guy she really liked. Ooh, when she's talking about him, she's smiling. I knew she liked him. I asked her the simple question. I said, do you really trust this guy to make your decisions? She said, it's a banker. This is how it is. He said, if he says, close your eyes, give me your hand, I want to take you somewhere. He said, I'll leave one eye open like this. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly what she told me that day. Now, why I kept on emphasizing that I did not know any of these guys is that there and then, I told her, please, you're my friend. I can be frank with you. Please don't marry him. He won't be good for you. I said, this one, normally I don't give such counsel. I'll just say, hey, like this. That one, I said, uh, this one, I'll be direct. If you marry this guy, I won't come for your wedding. You marry this guy, you're not my friend again. You'll be somebody I used to know. Because I'll see you sign your life away into trouble. Trust like that is what God is looking for. For us to just trust totally. That was the worst that will happen. I will die. At least I would die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. How did he say in Revelation again? Those who slept in the Lord. They are blessed. If I die following him, let me tell you the truth here. This is a personal discussion between me and the Lord. My wife was not even there. But now, she's hearing too. I, I, I told the Lord recently, I said, look, Lord, you can do anything to me. I just need, even if you send you know, somebody to blow me up to pieces. I don't have a problem with it. 
Let them beat me up, beat me badly. I really don't care. I just want one thing from you. Let me just be sure you sent them. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's, that's just my own. If, if he's from the Lord, listen, I will be, I'm not saying pain will not pain me. I'm just saying that I will be glad knowing that I died in the Lord. The precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. I like that one. I don't mind. God wants people that will follow him that much. Let me tell you what impressed God about Abraham. Never forget this. People think that God was impressed. The most precious thing to Abraham, he gave it to the Lord. This Sunday, what are you going to give to the Lord? You know, when Okemukte and Koya broke, there are doctors they come up with. That was not what impressed God in the gift of Isaac from Abraham. It's not Abraham loved me so much, he gave me anything. Listen, love, as far as it is in the direction of God, is not decided by the size of the gift. It's the other way that it matters. Love towards you from God is decided or is expressed. That's the word. It's expressed in the size of the gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You understand? God loved the aliens amongst you. You understand? That's how, and he gave him food. That, that's God. When God is loving people. When people are loving God, go and check it. The gift never is the, is not, it never counts. What counts is what is behind the gift. Something else. It is something else. Jesus said, if a man loves me, what will he do? He will obey my word. So what impressed God with Abraham's gift was not the size he is so precious from Sarah, the only son. That's not what impressed God. What impressed God was trust. That's all. That Abraham trusted me so much. I'm going to see what Paul said when he was explaining it. He said he believed that the one who has promised, in saying, in Isaac will your seed be. He trusted that God was able to raise him from the dead. That was why God got up and said, I swear by Almighty God. That's what God said. I swear by Almighty God that in blessing I will bless you. I will make your name great. If anybody insults you, I will behead him. Anybody that does not like you has hated his own life. God, you know what called excitement? It was not the size of the gift. It was the size of the trust. You know what God is asking for today? The Abrahams of this generation. Who will trust him with their lives? Who will not say, give us a map of where we are going? Who will just say to him, once we can see you in front, we are fine. Once we know that where we are going is where you are leading. We are okay. Listen, there will be people who will listen to this. Some may be here, I don't know. Listen to this somewhere else. What I'm preaching today. One day they will wake up. They are the president of a nation. The person just found out I'm a president of a nation. And I never desired it. I didn't ask to be. One day just put a book in my hand, swear. I faithfully, you know, swear to execute the office 
of the president of the Federal Republic of that country. I don't know which country. And I'm telling you, this today's message, somebody will listen to it. And while he's listening to it, are you getting my point? He will say, Amen, not thinking of himself. That's what I'm talking about. But let's sit on our message. That's just a prophetic word. This is the message that God says, I'm looking for people who will trust me like Abraham did. That all that matters to them is that they can see my back. When I say my back now, that is they know where I'm going. I said, just follow me. They just, okay, he has moved 10 steps. So the next few, or let me say, the next season of their lives, they are executing everything within their power to match the next, the 10 steps they've seen the Lord take. I hope you're getting my point. They're not looking for anything great. What is greatness as far as they are concerned is that I saw the Lord move 10 steps in this direction. I must complete the number of steps he has moved in. Please let me explain this again. Remember I said I'll talk about how to work for God. All right? I said something before that as believers, we don't need long-term visions. We don't need long-term goals. If I never have a goal that appears comparative, what's the goal of this ministry? To be the biggest ministry in Africa and the biggest ministry in evangelizing the rest of the world. Those are satanic goals. Satan taught you that one. No matter how good you think your goals are, how noble, it's Satan that taught you that one. Once you see big est, fastest, oh, that's one of the worst. The fastest growing church. In what parameter? Your church can be the fastest in the addition of the number of goats. Yeah, you know there are sheep and there are goats. So you can be the one adding the highest number of goats. If you want to be the fastest, it is very simple. Pull all the comedians in town. Let them have a roster on your Sundays. One comedian, one gospel musician, even if he's not born again, once he puts Jesus in two lines, invite him. And even if he's born again and he doesn't put Jesus, as long as he can sing well, bring him too. Believe me, in three months, your satanic vision will have been fulfilled. The fastest growing. So please remove any fastest, biggest, heaviest. I don't you know. There are things we used to say those days. You know, the best choir in town. Stop saying it. Comparing yourselves to yourselves, you are not wise. Drop some things. We used to say it jokingly, but it's childish. We are the best choir in town. Who said so? You. By yourself. Of when, you, when you start singing, they close the windows of heaven. They don't want to hear. So, please, comparison out. Alright? This is the point. No matter how good it seems, long-term goals, not even comparison. Now, there's no est, est, est in it. God does not want us to have those long-term goals. They are not sinful. They are just unnecessary. What's your vision? What's your goal? Let me give you what visions and goals you should have. They must always be short-term. You can have desires. You know, desire is desire. Desire is free. If wishes were horses, beggars will ride. So you can have desires. You want to be like Raymond Bonke. It's a desire. It's a good one. You want to be the next Daosa. It's a desire. You want to be Daosa, Bonkin, and Graham put together. It's a desire. You can handle the anointing. Fine. 
It's a desire. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. But it's not a goal. The problem with a goal, the problem with a vision is that you walk towards them. Desires, it can just be there, you know, not a big deal. But goals. <laughs> now, you say, okay, is that you don't have long term? Yes, I'm saying it. I've said it many times. I've thought about it and I think you shouldn't have. Should you have any at all? Yes. Short term. And how did Jesus say it? He that is faithful in little. So anytime you are giving little, have a goal. Are you getting my point? Have a vision. Have a plan to execute faithfulness in the little. You know why? The next one is a gift. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The next level is a gift. The next level is a gift. When the king returns, he will decide where you will rule. And when those people were walking, they did not know being rulers of cities was the aim. The king will come and tell them, sit at my right hand. Come into the joy of thy Lord. Why should we come? Because I was hungry and you fed me. They did not know it was supposed to best for them the joy of their Lord. But they just knew that if I find a hungry person, I must feed him. I have thought about it again and again. Christians, your goals should be short term. When I say short term, you should exercise your energy in faithfulness in what you have been given to do. That is today. When we say today, I don't mean 24 hours. Life has days. You say, Pastor Banky, what's your today? Just as an illustration. I have a particular anointing, which is why you are here. I teach the word of God. I speak it. People say it's interesting when they hear. That's what they say. Sometimes my wife and I will get home. We'll be, we'll be rehearsing, you know, remembering things I said here. And we'll be laughing. I say, maybe I didn't plan to say that too. So people say that. So I believe it's a gift. So what is the vision? What is the goal? Is now. I don't know about you. Now I keep on telling you, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I just know that from here, we push the word as far out as possible. That is the anointing we have for today. Are you getting my point? Do you want to be the next Billy Graham, Rehan Bonke, and Bessie that also are put together? <laughs> that is heavy, isn't it? If the Lord brings it, we know we're wrong. I mean, we are his servant. Have I ever dreamt about that? No. The man I've really admired most is not one of these three people I've mentioned. He's a personal, he's just admiration, just admire. But what is the goal you have to have each season of your life? Listen to this. Life is broken into days. Each day, you must prove faithful in the matter of that day. You must prove faithful in the matter of that day. Now remember, it's whether you believe in God or you don't. Those who don't, who have committed themselves to following the human pathway, they have very long-term goals and strategies for building themselves into it. But I'm saying we can choose the other one. To live by grace. To live by the spiritual. To say to God, I will wait until my change comes. I hope you get my point here. That is, I will be occupied until it comes. That is, Anytime I'm lifted from one level to another, it has to be by him. And one of the ways you know it is by him is that it was not planned for. Read your Bible. Those who are lifted, they hardly knew anything like that was going to happen. The day that Joseph's life, life changed, <laughs> I'm sure he was not sure whether he was going to be executed or not. 
A prisoner is a prisoner, no matter how dignified he is in prison. So, so the guards not come and say, Good morning, Sir Joseph. If it please thy highness, approach it unto the gate. For it appears that some chariots are approaching for thy presence's sake. Nothing like that. Joseph, come. It's prison. Joseph, come. Yes, sir. Anything? Yeah, get in here. He has beards. Shave him. So, that's it. No, go and check it. They shaved him. Wear this. You know, for a moment, he's checking. What's going on? We are going to the palace. Then see some chariots arrive. They won't send him the most dignified chariots. Just anything that can transport him. Now, I want to just embellish it a bit. You say, ha! Potiphar is unforgiving. He still remembered after these years in prison. Potiphar. I'm just imagining that he's wondering. Because I do not believe anybody was sent there who was privy to the discussion they had in the presence of Pharaoh. No, think about it. No, th- no, just think about it for a moment. That's how your life will change you. There are people that will tell people that, please, I'm traveling to Lagos. I'll be back next week. Next week will be four years. Not a bad thing that happened, though. Just that they got to Lagos. And then things changed for them. Now, like I said, we make up our minds. We want to walk by grace. And those who want to walk by grace, they understand that you don't plan for Jesus. You don't plan for him. You show him your faithfulness in the matters of today. Listen. Like I said, you show him your faithfulness in the matters of today. And this is it. The amount of effort you put into the matters of today is a sign that you believe that he's the one that will lift you up. Now, when I say matters of today, including when nobody's looking. Let me drop this one for everybody. There are two sides to it. There are things that are very personal and there are things that concern other people. What am I by personal? How you manage your money, I hope you know it's your business. But I hope you also know it's one of the things Jesus is checking. He said if you have not been faithful in the matter of handling money, he said two things. The second one, if you have not been faithful in that which belongs to somebody else. Those are the two sides. The first side, there are personal things, trivial things, small things, nobody's looking things. They will make you the boss and tell you, share this food. I don't know what I get the point. That is, you know, like we're talking, you know, when I was with the women on Tuesday, when we're talking about submission, leadership, and all of that, one of the things I said is this. The person in charge who is given the right was not given the right for himself but giving the right to administer. And I gave the example that in my house we try to maintain a hierarchy amongst the children. So, that once, Benga, I mean, Akilo had left them, they went to school at the same time. So Benga was the oldest, all of them going to the same school, and he was allowed to sit in front. So the front seat was his own when they are going to school. And I enforced that rule that time. That everybody should realize that Benga is the oldest here. Then one day I called him and I explained to him, I said, Benga, you are the oldest, so you have the first, what do you call it now? The right of first refusal. You are the first born here, in quotes now, in this context. So you take the front seat. I said, but it does not mean you must always take it. 
It means you have the right to point to somebody else and say, you, come and take it. I give it to you today. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That was why God said concerning Abraham. He said, I have chosen him that he will teach his children and his household after him how to do what? Righteousness and justice. In the matters of today, those are the things that God is testing. Jesus is testing. One, faithfulness in little things. We talked about it last time. How well are you administering righteousness and justice? There are two sides, and this, both sides are crucial to the Lord. One side is the one that you are the Lord, you are the judge. Nobody is there with you. Things you do in secret, you can't be punished for. You can't be queried over. For example, the best example is your money. How are you spending it? What are your priorities? Being a giver is important to the Lord because it shows that you understand what authority is for. Money is a sign of authority health. Are you getting my point? Yeah, money, money is very powerful. I hope you understand that. And the call used to say to us is the next, that after you remove the power of God, the next power is money. Edco taught us that one those days. He said the highest power in the world is omnipotence. Next is the power of money. So when God gives us money, it's part of his way of testing us. How well can you handle power? So two areas the Lord is testing. One, private things. How you handle your own matter? I know it's your business whether you go to work or not. Nobody's going to query you. But Jesus is querying you. <laughs> I have found out those days. There was something somebody said once. Okay, I think it was when I was in Lagos those days. Pastor Paul, you taught this in church. He said there was a time people left school, you know. Now, if you know people were on campus in the early 80s, I got to university in the middle of the 80s. I got into university of 1985. So, we met some of these things. You know, when you're talking about power of God teaching, the most powerful preachers and teachers in town, in Nigeria at that time, if you put them as a group, they were students. A lot of people like that. That was where the preachers were. People who traveled the country preaching the gospel. Campus students. But there was an issue. They had to graduate. There was something somebody said once. He said when they left, most of them did not do well in ministry. He said, and this is one of the problems. You see where I'm going in a moment. That a lot felt they knew a lot. There's a particular man. He went and joined two of them. Okay, one went and joined one of our big bishops in Nigeria now. So his friends were surprised. Ah, what are you going to do in that place? What do they know that you don't know? I know the answer he gave them. He said, they will teach me seriousness in life. He made his ministry. I know another one went somewhere else. He went there to learn discipline. You know, when we're young boys on campus, there's a bit of some unruly behavior. Boys have some traits. You get to a room, you sleep there. You know, boys, they're like that, you know. You know, you're just free. You just say, guys, what's happening here? You just take somebody else's bed, you sleep there. You're a good man, or you wake up during the night, you pray, pray, disturb the neighborhood, you know. But some things are not in keeping with maturity. There's a time you have to go back, make your own bed. Now, this one I'm making. Anointed people, a lot did not succeed. Why? Faithfulness in little things and the things that belong to somebody else. First of all, in their personal things. When nobody was looking, it was as if I'm free. 
What they did not understand was that the Lord was judging. Some of them, they were sent to where people could look. So they were forced to learn faithfulness in the ministry that belongs to another person. Then God gave them their own. Listen, God is, Jesus is coming. He's mm, coming. He's saying, when I come, and listen, let me add this one to you. I want to close. Another thing he says is this. When I'm going to come, I will come. Now, let me say that again. I have set a time when I will come back into your life and decide what we are doing with your life next. If you are not ready, it's your problem. I will still make my decision. Now, when he comes, sometimes prayer, the Holy Spirit, intercession, we tell him, please wait. So he delays the coming. But when he comes, he says, now, let's do accounts. Some will return at that time, and they have multiplied their minas tenfold. You now say, you, be in charge of what? Ten cities. Some will come, only able to return the mina that he gave them. Say, you, be in charge of the front gate of one of the ten cities. <laughs> you see why I said that one? I don't want to talk about the man that buried it. And many people, they have theirs buried. No, let's talk about him. Let me tell you how people bury things. There are many ways we bury things. We bury things because we are not even where he said we should do business. Occupy with this until I come. This environment is not good. Let me go to a good environment. Let me lend this to somebody. You can't use it. Okay, bury it for me. When I come back, you give it back to me. It's one reason. Let me say something to you. There's a reason why God gave you life. He's testing you on how you are using it. Satan does not want you to use it. And he will use everything within his capacity to pull you away from where you can use it. Most of the time he will tell you, you will die poor if you continue like this. Is it threat? Listen, about the only thing Satan has is that threat of poverty. Many times I see brethren up and down. I have never seen anyone that with conviction, that is truth in the heart, said to me, I need to pursue the purpose of God. As brethren are packing this, there's job here. There's work here. My children. And then this lie we use our children to lie. Because we have the way of using them to tell lies. People want to enjoy themselves. They say, I don't want many children so that I can have enough money to take care of them. Meanwhile, it is your... No, it's true. Now You know why you want to tell lies? You want to feel like a mogi sisieko by the time you are 50 years of age. Let me tell you, if you have 10 children, you'll see it look the same. There's no difference. Look, look, look. Say, I don't want my breast to drop. It will drop. Whether you bump picking, you're not bump picking. No, no, it's, it, no, no, I'm not, it's, look, I'm not trying to be funny. It's, 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 it's medicine. It's life. If you want bunch children, bond them. Stop deserving, those, stop deceiving us, my friend. Selfish people, thinking only of themselves. Now be making it look as if it's the children they are thinking of. Rubbish and nonsense. I want to even take them abroad. Did you go abroad before you reach where you are right now? You want to go. It's not the children. Stop telling lies. Say, you know, it's the call of the children. You know, when I hear the call of the children, I feel like beating people. When one of them, children, I'll just be looking at you like this. I'm smiling. <laughs> Please do whatever you want to do, but stop using the children to tell lies. That's all, that's all I'm saying. That is the second reason we lie a lot. 
You say, you know, I'm doing this for the church. I hear it all the time. Pastors will abandon their work. Gifted people will abandon their gifts. Why? The children. The children. Let me tell you something. God is angry with anybody who puts any human being ahead of him in priority. A man can let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, don't bother coming back. People bury. That's what I'm talking about. Satan, he's aggressive in making sure we bury. I'm saying to you again, let me end it here. Then I'll go into this next time. Listen, this is what I'm saying to you. Hmm? Jesus is coming soon. Remember, there are two kinds of coming. I'm talking about the second coming. Now, when I say second, I'm talking about the second kind of coming that we've been talking about. In which he will return and he wants to judge you for the next level. You know, in secondary schools, you can do SSC many times. You keep failing until you pass it and then you move on. You can do jump several times. This is the point I want to make. Life is not like that. Life is more like a university in which the university will tell you, you have a maximum of, say, nine years to get this degree that's supposed to take you six years. Six years is the minimum. Nine years is the maximum. If at the end of nine years we come back, we will withdraw you from the university with nothing. That's more like what real life is. Jesus will come one day and he will settle down and check your account and decide whether you will rule cities or you will be cast into outer darkness. When people are cast into outer darkness, they get to a season in their lives, they are full of struggles, nothing ever works. God is a lifter. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. Somebody say amen. amen. He is the one that is lifting you and me up. Do you have another amen? amen? This is my message. I close with it. This Jesus must be pleased. We must walk like he is going to test us. We must put aggression into it. We shouldn't care whether we feel in life, generally speaking, as long as we are pleasing to him. There is a season, each season of life. He said, I'm going to test you. I'm the one that will take you to the next season. And what I have preached this evening is that you don't need a long-term goal for the other seasons. You know why? You don't know what they carry. You don't know where you are going next. You don't know where he will send you to. But in this season that he has placed you in, he said, one, I want to see faithfulness in little things. I want to see faithfulness in how you manage money. Go and learn how I want Christians to manage money. There is seed for the sower and there is bread for food. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't use worldly methods to balance your uncertainty, which is what the Christians like to do these days. Christians will like to do. We want to follow God, but balance it with a bit of worldliness, security, immaterial things. And then we come openly and say we are, you know, we are serving, you know, we are believing God. Jesus is testing that. He wants to see how much you have learned to do righteousness and justice. He wants to be sure that you've learned to pursue purpose and the pleasure of God. And he wants to know how faithful you are as a custodian of the talent that he gave to you. Those are the things he's testing. And until he comes, we must learn to wait. What is waiting? Waiting is not sitting down doing nothing. Waiting is preparing for him to come. I don't know what I get my point. Waiting is knowing the season I'm in and exerting all the energy. It took 25 years for Isaac to come. Why was Abraham not tired? Because in that period, there were many things that Abraham was learning. Why was he able to hold on faith for 25 years? I used to think 25 years was a long time. 
know when I was a young small boy, 25 years old boy, you try. Now I am I'm, I'm scared in court now, because I realized that since I left university, 25 years have passed. It's 27 years last month. <laughs> and I realized, oh boy, if you have wasted 27 years thinking that it's a long time, you don't pass now. Well, let me stop talking. I hope you learned something. I hope you learned something. Please let me just say it again. Make up your mind. Which direction do you want to follow? You want the grace of God or you want human arrangement? Let's bow down our heads. Let us pray. Lord, this is what I want. Be honest with him. Say, Lord, this is your arrangement of trusting you. Give me the grace to accept it. But if you think you can accept it, say to him, I accept it. Say to him, I accept it. Say to him, I accept it. Give me the grace to follow. Abundant grace. The grace to rest. Ah, that rest is important. Resting in God. Resting and waiting for him. Resting in God. Resting and waiting. It's so important. It's so important we learn it. How to rest and to wait. Pray. Look, there are prayers we should pray. Just say, Lord, let me not fail you. Let me not be like Saul. You know, Saul got tired at the time. And he ran away. Just before Samuel came, Saul got tired. Say, Lord, please, oh, let me not be tired. Say, Lord, let me not be tired. Give me the grace not to be tired. You know, the other day my wife was watching the movie. A lesson in life in it. A woman endured and endured. A few months before her breakthrough, she divorced that man. And then she became bitter. It's not human. You can't by yourself endure. You need God to help you. Pray this evening. Say, Lord, help me. Simple prayer. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to endure. Give me the strength. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the strength to hold on. Give me the strength to stay faithful. To stay faithful. The challenge is a challenge of faithfulness. In the midst of adversity. Say, Lord, help me to stay faithful. In the midst of adversity of life. Lord, give me strength. Give me enablement. Help me to be able to stand firm. Despite all that I will face. Lord, give me the wisdom, the understanding, Lord, that this is for you. This is unto you. It's not unto man. Lord, help me to stand firm. Help me to resist every temptation that comes my way. In the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, eternal Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for today. Give thanks in your own words, please. Just thank him for liberating truth that comes to you. The one that has come today. Thank him for that liberating truth. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because indeed you have liberated me with your truth. Thank you. For you have set me free. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Please, I just want to say something. We've been talking about thorns. Thorns. If you ever have a feeling of this thing, this thing is supposed to be working. Maybe there's something. It's supposed to be working. It's not. Go and pray. It's not an ancestral spirit. It's not an ancestral curse. It's not near success syndrome. A thorn needs to be uprooted out of your life. Just go and pray until God reveals that to you. Many times when the word is about to break through in fruit, that's the problem we often have. 
I just feel like saying that again. That's what we need to pray. This week, this December period, just take a week and pray. Lord, what are the hindrances to the next step of my life? Just pray. God will let you know. That's why we are, it's so beautiful to be a Christian. The Holy Spirit is alive. He will speak to you through instructions with the word that you will hear. Through correction from somebody. You may dream one night and the Lord will say, just remove this thing out of your life and you see the progress that is necessary. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. But as your people depart from here, I pronounce your blessing. Goodness will go with you. Mercy will go with you. Divine protection will go with you. No evil will befall you. As you cross the road, you will be safe. As you are inside that vehicle, you will be safe. As you are driving, you will be safe. If you are in hospital, you will be safe. I know I said that nobody will use you as an experiment that will fail. In the name of Jesus Christ. God will heal every affliction in your system. In Jesus' name. Breakthrough is coming upon somebody. A door is about to open for somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, doors that lead to big things may look small. So don't despise little things. Something big will happen that will start by looking small. But breakthrough is coming to somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. This season, as you move up and down, I say it again, no evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. The criminals, they will not find you. They will not get you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Your goods, they will be safe. Your goods will be safe. In the name of Jesus Christ. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your mind. Nobody will run mental because of the pressures of life. The peace of God will garrison your soul. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed, give me another amen. Amen. Now let's share the grace in fellowship. Those coming for the first time, just open this magazine to this last page. Or I want to let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are